Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Back to the Night Report podcast. Joining me this week is Richie Schneiderite, the publisher at uh, nightreport.com. Chris isn't joining us today. Richie, uh, it's been another interesting week in Rutgers sports. Uh, man, the basketball team getting dominated by Illinois on Friday, the soccer team losing in a heartbreaker in the College Cup. How you doing? I'm, I'm fine. I mean, I'm doing <laughs> Uh, Rutgers, not so much. Uh, I got to give a quick shout out to Chris. He's on his honeymoon. He's going up and down the coast of California. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, I think he's actually going to a Phoenix Suns game, if I recall correctly. So, I mean, I do remember him mentioning that because he was talking bowl stuff. Yeah. Bowl and the the bowl that didn't happen. And here we are. Um, Yeah. It was a couple, uh, it's pretty ugly couple seven days i guess it was since we last recorded it wasn't pretty um Rutgers women's soccer hell of a season final four yep. but florida state just was obviously the better team it looked like um i didn't watch the entire thing so i can't speak f- for certain of like what happened in the end but it wasn't pretty a loss is a loss um basketball yikes what the hell <laughs> what the hell happened i know i think we're all riding pretty high after that clemson win they hit looked the best they had all season and then they go to champagne and there was basically no point in that point of that game where it was close. Yeah, no, um, I don't even know how to explain that one. That was just absolutely brutal. Um, Jaden Jones led the team in scoring. I guess that's a plus, but he also, I think, led the team in shots. So it's like plus and minus type thing. Cliff didn't look the worst. Didn't rebound too well, though. Um, Caleb struggled. Ron, Ron really struggled one and nine. Yeah. Mulcahy, I, I think I've said this before. Stop shooting, please, for the love of God. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. It just it was such a bad game. Um, I don't even know where you start in that one. I mean, I didn't – out of everyone that I expected to cook Rutgers, I didn't see Plummer being the one that was going to cook them. I yeah. saw, like, um, obviously Curbella wasn't there. Coleman Hawkins, former Rutgers target. I thought he was going to cook a little more. Still had nine points and four of eight, pretty solid. Um, Kofi Cockburn is probably one of the best centers in the nation, despite him not being an NBA type uh, body or NBA type center. Um, he had 15 rebounds in that game. I think he just had 20 yesterday against someone else. And I think that was his like all time record at Illinois for a single game. Um, wow. Yeah, he's, he's putting up crazy numbers. Um, I don't know. This team, this team's got to do something. Uh, Pike admitted today that they, uh, in the press conference right before this, he admitted that they were planning to redshirt Jalen Miller, which I don't get. I really don't get, especially when you're struggling at the guard position. Um, I said this last week and I've noticed it more and more. The minute like a younger player messes up like a ticky tacky foul or just turnover, Brandon Knight, who's in charge of the rotations, you see him call him out, get out of the game. And it's like, come on, like they're, that's going to destroy people's confidence too. That puts so much pressure on them to perform. They, they can't play loose when they're just worried about making well, a single mistake. Yeah, you're nervous about taking a stupid shot, and it'll go in, and you'll be like, "Oh nope, get out, fuck you!" Like you're done. And it's like, I, I get you can't trust freshmen technically in the Big Ten, but 
at Jalen Miller and Jaden Jones, these might be your best options at the one. And I, I do think Paul has to stop playing the one as well. I think he's got to play more. I don't even know where you put Paul. He's like a very nitty gritty player. He's a good player, but he's just got to be moved around. I don't think he can take the ball up anymore. Like I said before, it slows down everything. And I hate that with this team, especially because they're struggling on offense. Um, someone brought it up in one of the threads, maybe play more zone to try to get Cliff out of foul trouble or keep Cliff out of foul trouble. Uh, it's not the worst idea because you have a lot of length and you have a couple quicker guys that could play like three and four and are down low on the boxes or um, can't even talk at the corners. So it could help a little bit, but it's, there's so many things wrong with this team right now. And confidence is probably issue number one. And until they fix that, this isn't going to go anywhere. Sure. I, the thing I thought was the strangest about this game is they went seven for 17 behind the arc, which is you know 41%, which is great. Better especially for Rutgers. Every other then, <laughs> But then inside the paint, they shot fucking 14 for 51, which is 27%. They just, they, they have a really hard time finishing around the hoop, which is, a, that's like a fundamental part of basketball. Like if you can't hit a layup in traffic or you can't hit, you know, a seven foot shot in the paint, like I, I don't really know what we can do to improve that. That's very basic stuff. Stupid fucking shots. Like I get it. Like you're not cutting perfectly or no one's cutting i mean no one's cutting actually i should say yeah um they're not getting open looks they're just taking like long twos and contested threes and it's like what the hell is going on here and it's just i i don't know that's the the lowest percentage shot is anywhere in that mid-range section stop yep. taking them just please like anything go up and try to drive draw a foul yeah they only had four free throws at illinois I mean, yeah, well, yeah, draw foul number one. I mean, they're not good at free throw shooting, but at least you get a better chance, uh, uncontested shot in the free throw line. Yeah, I mean, they have improved a little bit at the free throw line this year. They, they're, they're basically the same, but it's, it's not as big of an Achilles heel as it was last year. Like, literally, free throw shooting was the sole cause of probably, what, four or five losses last year? Yeah, probably, give or take. This year, it's just another symptom in the sickness – that we have on the basketball team. I mean, I, I hate to sound too, too down on them because I do believe that they can turn this around. Like they have, like, uh, uh, let, me, let me rephrase that. They have the talent to turn this around. Will they turn it around? I don't know. Yeah. But they do yeah. have the ability to. The, the issue is, is that you have such a hard schedule coming up too. You're yep. welcoming the number one team in the country to the rack this Thursday. Yes, the atmosphere is going to help you a little bit. The home court advantage is going to be there, but you're still playing a team that's averaging 90 points per game. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough to stop them. Holy shit, the more and more I look at it. And like Pike mentioned today too, he's like, yeah, maybe their top scorer, Jaden Ivey, like Jalen Miller could handle him if he had to. And I'm like, this is the same kid you were just redshirting. Like two days ago. <laughs> uh, uh, and I like, like Jalen Miller a lot. I think he's going to be good. I think Jaden Jones is going to be really good. It's just a matter of like, just play these guys. Let them play. Let them don't yank them. Maybe don't be so, be a little more lenient with the rotations or just, I don't even know what you do at this point. If nothing's falling, someone's got to step up and it's just not happening so far. Maybe the lack of geo hurts a little more too. Cause he usually is that guy that could step up at times, but I don't know with him out. And it seems like he's going to be out Thursday as well. Sunday, we don't know yet. And then that's the other thing you're playing Seton Hall on Sunday. Number 23, and, Seton Hall. <laughs> and uh, Pike let out today that the team is dealing with a flu bug. And 
it's gone through the team the past week and apparently it's hitting the team pretty hard right now. So yeah, never a good sign before a big game. He said three people had it the other day. One person new came in with it today. And whoever that new person is, I would assume is probably out Thursday. That's just a guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the other three, you, you probably think based on the timeline, the other day is meaning two days ago at the minimum. So they'll probably be healthy for Thursday. A hundred percent, probably not, but if you need your guys to play, what are you going to play without like Caleb without just hypothetically, this is just a guess of who might have it. Just if you're not playing without Caleb, you're playing without Jaden Jones or Matt Moat Mag, then you're down to who you put in Conquest Reber. If we got to play those two guys against the Purdue starting lineup, that's going against to be the Purdue lineup that by the way, features a seven foot four big man. Yeah. Just total crow mag at center. Is that the guy that Jacob Young dunked on? No, I thought it was no. too. It actually isn't. Um, I forget, they just what, sprout a, up those seven two plus white dudes in. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure in Jacob West Young Lafayette dunked on Matt Harms, right? If I uh, recall correctly, sure. I might be wrong, but yeah, Zach Eady is the new one, a new big man they have. He's seven foot four, two ninety five. Like he's not like skinny either for a big man. Some of these big men that come in now are like rail thin and he yeah like chet chet holmgren but that that's a different story okay I, I know it's a different story but that's who first comes to mind as like a seven plus footer who's just rail thin yeah no he's he's something else he can dribble the ball off the court and dude he's like white kd only taller yeah I actually, that's um, that's the comparison i have for him i actually talked to someone that was talking to miles the other day oh, yeah? word, word of mouth and miles was basically talking about gonzaga when they played him uh-huh. It was like, yeah, it's your team. He's not that good. Like, he's okay. Like, he's solid. But that kid, Holgram, holy shit. He's, like, real thin, but he'll dribble. He'll shoot. He'll do this. He'll do that. Like, he's not afraid of anything. Like, Dude, I feel so bad for Miles. Um, there was a, a, a back-to-back plays. I know. Miles gets blocked by Holmgren. Holmgren takes the ball up the court. Miles, for some reason, picks him up at half court. Yeah. He just does – he doesn't even do, like, a hard crossover. He just, like – Man, he's too big. <laughs> I know, but he just crosses Miles over and like Miles can't even he's like two steps behind him at this point, and then he just dunks on the team. It was yeah, it was an awesome play, but it was a shame that Miles is on he's the so bad good. receiving end of both of the uh, the moves by him. He's so so good. But the yeah, this this game Thursday is gonna be interesting. And then we didn't really talk about it yet, but Sunday, we'll get more into it later with uh, Pat, but Sunday, uh Rutgers Seton Hall at Prudential Center. I don't know. <laughs> this could That's going to be a tough game too. And and we're going to talk more uh, about that game later. Like, like Richie said, there's an awesome event that the front office is hosting uh, on Friday in Nutley, New Jersey at Mama Trattoria. Uh, there's still tickets available. We're going to link it in the bio, but I do want to talk about a few other things before we get into the interview with Pat. All right. National signing day is coming up. The football season's over. Signing day is only a week away. Crazy how you know the the rework schedule kind of puts that front and center. I just kind of want to talk about your feelings on the class first. Mm-hmm. How do you think Rutgers did in the high school ranks this year recruiting? Uh, I mean, top twenty five right now, pretty damn good. Um, I don't think there's any complaints. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of optimism when they landed four star, four star, four star, four star, four star. I think six or seven, seven if you count um, Gavin Wimsatt who enrolled early. Yep. So, I mean, there's a lot of optimism that this class would be, like, guaranteed top 25. And Wimsat and Rowling puts them back to the 2021 class, so that hurt. Um, they suffered 
a decommitment in probably a future four-star, which we're actually updating our rankings this week. I think he should be a four-star. If not, I'm going to probably argue that one. <laughs> but Davis Davison should be a, should be a four-star. He was in the class. He's probably gone, in my opinion. He's going to uh, – or he went to Kentucky this past weekend. Lane Kiffin, Marquise Watson, and Chris Partridge were all in union last night uh, meeting with Igmanosin and his family uh, for their in-home. He's going to hit up Ole Miss this weekend. I can't see any reason why he wouldn't go there at this point. He loves his school and loves the staff, loves the atmosphere. And, and I kind of get it. Like those two New Jersey guys in Watson and Partridge are ace recruiters. I mean, this is now the second time Watson's not a full-time staff member, mind you. Mm -hmm. Now this is the second time where they had an open spot due to a guy leaving and Watson has stepped up as that 10th assistant. So he's loved down there while he might not be a full-time assistant. He kind of, is a little bit so to speak and anytime they have that opening he's going to keep getting promoted i think he's next in line for that d-line coach spot mm -hmm. um i don't know who their current d-line coach is but if he was to ever leave i do think he takes that spot and those two have become like a package basically between partridge and watson so it's gonna be interesting to uh see how much they keep hitting new jersey but i know their uh dear mitchell is very high on them as well in 2023 so it's, it's gonna be a tough tough pull for him um He's best friends with Taiwan Malone, kind of looks up to him as an older brother type too. So it, it could be back to back, arguably top, the top prospect in New Jersey heading to Ole Miss. So I do want to talk a little bit about Davidson. Mm -hmm. What changed in the last week or two with him? Because I know there was a lot of optimism about him landing back at Rutgers and then it kind of flipped very quickly back to Ole Miss. Um, there was definitely optimism a little bit just because he visited Rutgers for the last game of the season against Maryland. And um, there was a little bit of hype. His brother's here. They haven't – when's the last time Rutgers lost a Union kid? I, I, I can't – I really can't remember. I Like, the Tverdovs have been here, uh, Amir Robinson, Desmond Igmanosin, now Davison. Um, so, it, it's it's tough. Like, looking back, I don't know the last time an actual Union kid went anywhere else and had a Rutgers offer, I should say. Um, yeah, there, there was a feeling that he might go back and play with his brother, but at the end of the day – Ole Miss has been in his ear, even like the day he was about to commit, like verbally with the, in his backyard with the whole like setup and everything in summer. He was very, very close to like picking Ole Miss in the end too. They were in his wow. ear nonstop. Lane Kiffin is Lane Kiffin. He's one of the best recruiters around. Um, the SEC draw is always going to draw some of the top prospects in this area and actually around the country. Um, and at the end of the day, like I said, the New Jersey connection between Watson and Partridge, those guys know how to recruit. And that's like their specialty. Partridge, he's phenomenal. He's like the Fran Brown of North Jersey type area. Um, Watson's right there too in New Jersey. They both have New Jersey ties from playing high school, coaching high school. Um, yeah, like Partridge said, was basically solely responsible for two first-round picks going to Michigan out of New Jersey. Yeah, and he's also the big reason why Paramus Catholic was as good as they were for like three years. Two years. <laughs> done. And now, now look at it. It's like, all right, well, shit, like. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, Ole Miss is going to be a pain in their side as long as Partridge and uh, Watson are down there. Now, can you can't, try to convince them to come on the staff? That's that's going to be insanely hard because Partridge, I think, already makes like 750, 800K, which is already more than the D.C. that make that Rutgers D.C. makes currently. So it's then you got to factor in the, the salary differences, taxes, and it's like, all right, why would he come here for anything less than the mill? And they're also, you know, they're in the top 10 this year. They're going to be a really nice landing spot for transfer guys. As long given... as Kiffin's there, they'll be. 
he'll be top yeah. 25 every year. His offense is too phenomenal. He knows how to scheme it up. He's a very good recruiter. He's going to get top talent at Ole Miss. And honestly, at the end of the day, the more and more I talk to people, that Rebel Grove type area, like th- that sells itself. It's one of the best atmospheres in college football for tailgating and stuff. So I've heard great things. That's yeah. kind of a bucket list item of mine is to just take like a, a season and go to like different tailgates across the SEC and the yeah. Big Ten. I think that'd be awesome. I've, I've only been SEC wise, I've only been to Bama and that thing's next level. Like it's, yeah. it's insane. It's, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like an NFL atmosphere, but like parties everywhere. That's awesome. It was fun. I'll admit that. So for this class, do you think there's a potential for any flips Rutgers way or against Rutgers uh, in the next week? So, I mean, obviously um, it's pretty well known that Penn State's been recruiting Moses Walker, even despite him kind of throwing some shade at them uh, with his commitment video uh they're they've been on him nonstop. i don't think he flips at all i think he's pretty solid uh loves ruckers the e-hall staff is in love with ruckers staff they they are hand in hand with each other if an e-hall kid doesn't have like an ohio state or something i could never see him picking ruckers or picking um i don't know penn state or maryland over ruckers at the end of the day if ruckers wants a kid out of there there's a very good shot they get him minus if Bama or Ohio State come in. Like and they that. have a fuck ton of talent in the next few years, too. So that's awesome to hear. Caden Brown's a really good one. It's going to be tough to hold him away from Ohio State's and, like, the Alabamas of the world. But he will be a top-tier recruit in that 2024 class. Um, other than that, flip-wise, uh, the more and more I look at it, LaQuint Allen, they've been pursuing a running back out of Syracuse. He's actually just named uh, New Jersey Gatorade Player of the Year. So he's one to watch. Wow. Yeah, yeah he, Millville just won a state title, didn't they? Yeah, so they they just won it at Rutgers. So technically he was at Rutgers, so to speak. And every single coach was in the stands for these games. Except one. Except? Uh, Which one wasn't there? I didn't see Rob Smith in any of the photos. I saw. Uh, I'm crying so hard. You can't see it on the pod, but I'm welling up with tears right now. I've, I've seen every single person in the photos. And the only person I didn't see was Rob Smith. And it was interesting because, like, but then, like, a couple days before that, like, I, I, the more and more I look into it, a couple days before that, Rob Smith um, went out and saw Phil Picciotti, a 2023 kid. Oh, he just got uh, four-star status. Yeah, he's – I hate to say it, he's probably all but Penn State bound at this point. But, um, yeah. Nice. Eh, what are you going to do? But um, it's interesting because he was technic- – I would assume he was there, you would think, if he was on the staff. But every other assistant was there. Augie, Nuns, Gleason, Underwood, Shiano. Um, yeah, they had a Dyer. ton of pictures with Thomas uh, Ananqua, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. He, like, he took a picture with the whole staff, and Rob Smith definitely wasn't in that picture, I remember now. That's what I'm saying. It's like, all right, like if the whole staff's there, where's Rob Smith? And I think – I don't know his exact contract. I was actually requesting contracts before. And uh, the more and more I look into it, like – Andy Ulrich technically has till February 20-something, 28th. I forget what it is. I had it pulled up, too. But he has till, like, the 28th. Um, the rest are all, like, January 5th for Augie. So there's there's plenty of time for these guys to, like, re-sign. It's not, like, actually, February 28th for Augie. Actually, Augie's under contract till 2023. I've just read this now. So he's good. Um, the more and more I'm trying to figure out more and more info on who's up – contract wise and who's next and all that stuff. But it's uh I do think most of the staff stays put. I really I'm minus Fran who could leave for Temple if they offer him, but I'm hearing that Temple's kind of like 
he's one of three targets they're looking at, and he's like third place right now. Who are the other two? Um, I can't say, so to speak. That's fine. Yeah, the temp, uh, the guys I talked to, um, kind of just revealed that one. The guys I talked to, uh, no worries, no worries. They don't want it out there, so. But it's interesting. I know um, Elijah Robinson's still pitching himself for that one. That's that's another name to watch. Um, Al Golden's not really interested from what I was told. He said he talked. Really? He said he would talk to them, but it's like he, no one wants to deal with the hassle of recruiting, especially in the portal and all that shit. It's like it's a pain in the ass. Um, there's one guy, I forget his name, from the Panthers um, that they were looking at. Oh, the running back coach. I remember reading this. Is, is that his name? Or, or is he the running back's coach or something? I forget what he is. Whatever he is, he's one that they were looking at heavily. One name I found interesting. Someone mentioned Justin Fuente. Where's he? Oh, he just got fired, didn't he? He got fired, but he, it's not like he has a connection to the area at all. So that's another – it's like, hey, it's it's do Rod Carey again. But. Is it Jeff Nixon that you're talking about? Yeah, I think that's who it was. Okay. So, yeah, he's – That sounds familiar. I think he's the running backs coach with Carolina. He was also on the staff with uh, Rule in, in, at Baylor. Um there's, there's a couple rural guys I know that were interested. I don't know how serious they were or are, whatever. Um, there, there's a, they have a pretty big list for Temple, more, more than you think. Um, Josh Gaddis was one I saw. Um, Partridge was mentioned. Um, Elijah Robinson. Like it, It's a stepping stone job. So they're all just looking at it like, hey, go there for two years, three years, succeed, next. But that makes sense. I mean, that's been the long history of Temple recently. It's just yeah. moving on up. Doesn't sound like Fran's gonna be uh there though, knock on wood. But I mean, if the first two strike out, he's your third candidate. It's kind of like, all right, come on, let's do this. I mean, at what point does Fran just kind of get fed up with Temple though? Just not like he wasn't considered in either of the previous hires when they hired Manny Diaz and then had to quickly hire uh, Rod Carey after Diaz backed out. Yeah. Like, he's not being treated seriously now. Like, I don't know. I, I, it's it's interesting. I I really don't know. Um, it's a new admin, so maybe you're just kind of like, all right, new admin. I'll give him another shot. See what happens. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't see Frank going really anywhere unless it's Temple. I think he probably stays put at this point. But again, who knows? Maybe they strike out with those other guys, and we're back to Rutgers looking for a DB coach. <laughs> All right, so it's looking pretty good right now for, for Fran to stick around, which obviously would be huge for recruiting yes. moving forward and also retaining our current roster. So good yeah. news there. Uh, did want to kind of touch on the transfer portal. We had three transfer visits this past weekend, two yes. for officials, right, and one unofficial? Uh, they're technically all officials, so to speak. It's just okay. I don't know how it's considered because they don't do the same things that all the kids do. So like Colby mm-hmm. Reader, for example, the Delaware linebacker came for a visit, but he was, he told me, he's like, I'm not going there for all this mumbo jumbo. I'm going there to talk to the staff, meet them, check out the facilities, check out the weight room, all this stuff. I'm not going there to do like the New York trip and all this stuff. Meanwhile, Willie Taylor, who's from, I don't even know where he's from actually. Willie Taylor is from Racine, Wisconsin. Okay. That's what it was. He's from Wisconsin, but played in Texas and then went to somewhere else. He went, he's been to two junior colleges. He's been to two, three, uh, three division one programs. If you yeah. count Syracuse, and this will be his fourth. Welcome to transfer portal. Actually, no, sorry. This is, 
his second because he oh you know he, he went to Texas Texas you and then he went here. he committed to Syracuse I don't know if actually oh, he made it to Syracuse yeah. which was shocking to me they re-offered the kid like right away I and see. then he went to ULM yeah but um he's one that he's like all right I'm gonna go do the New York thing like that's that's cool I've never done that like yeah I get that but um I'm assuming Reader's been there before I just didn't care enough um he visited he's pretty high on Rutgers I'm hearing Iowa State's going to be a pain in their side a little bit he's hmm. supposed to visit there this weekend he um was supposed to talk with him again tonight he's thinking about doing a midweek visit I know we just got Maryland who's kind of local might play a factor there um who's the other Kansas one? State too Kansas State yeah I don't think they're that much of a factor though they kind of yeah I don't know they just zero appeal to me yeah they've, just they've got a <clears throat> they've got I think those were like the four biggest offers he got. So I'd imagine those are the four he's considering. Yeah. So then the other guy that visited was Miles Frazier. Um, I don't know if you guys see this on Twitter. If you follow him on social media, he's got every coach in the country basically visiting him in South Jersey. I've never seen anything like this for it's, a transfer guy. Pretty wild because he has three years. It's like, all right, shit, like maybe we, we get him here. The thinking is, from what I was told, is that he's looking for a school that can get him to that, to the league. So where else are you going to – if you're that good of a lineman, where are you going to go and get in the league within two years? Probably SEC, maybe like a Miami, maybe a Florida State, or one of the big names down south that everyone pays attention to. So that's that's what I'm hearing right now in terms of him. He was supposed to visit North Carolina A&T in the next couple of days for his brother's graduation. Mm-hmm. His brother's also in the portal uh, as a graduate. His brother's a tight end. <laughs> yeah, I don't know um, – how good he is i haven't really looked and then north carolina a is not like the best in the world so i did <clears throat> he's not great i think he's obviously playing in a pretty bad division i think that's i don't even know what conference it is it's fcs but his grades on pff were like in the 50s or 60s and if you're in the 50s or 60s uh so his grade this year was 59.9 um last year he put up a this is the only year he's, he's been graded and that's only on 20 steps. So that's not really that fair. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, there, there, who else was uh, Curtis Dunlap down in Minnesota. He visited the weekend before against Maryland. Uh, I'm told the staff's really not that interested in him. They worked him out. He's not good. I guess if you want to put it like that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he's, he's not the best in the world. Um, he's, he struggled a little bit in terms of movement and footwork and stuff like that. And, they're just not a fan. It doesn't sound like they're going to take him anymore or take him at all. Um, well, they didn't offer him, so that, that should yeah, be a, a sign. It kind of says everything. Um, I don't know where he's going to end up. I know he wanted to go closer to Florida back home. Uh, I would assume like maybe an FIU, FAU type situation. Not FIU because FIU's guys are all transferring. They're all gone. <laughs> yeah, dude, I can't – FIU, how does a fucking 1-11 team who is like in a bad conference – they have almost everyone transfer out. Like their whole offensive line transferred out. And all of them, all one, of them, one's have out of the D1 one offers. Visit. One's getting SEC offers. One just got a F a G five offer from UNLV. Then their wide receiver has about seven or eight Power Five offers. And their like, their receivers legit though. That guy. Well, uh, so did Butch Davis just suck as a head coach or like? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you read any of the stories about like how much that administration just like abandoned the team. Like they were using like literally. Like they needed like new equipment and they didn't have the money for I, it. I did read that UAB or someone gave it to them or something. It was Mississippi State's old pads. So Mississippi State used the same pads for like five years and then they changed them out and yeah. they gave them to FIU. And so FIU is using like 15 year old pads. But I don't even know if I blame the 
I don't blame the coaches. I more or less blame the admin yeah. for not like taking care of your team. Like, that, like remember when Shiano came in and he walked in and he was like, "Holy shit, this is where you guys keep your like." Maybe it was it Shiano or was it Ash. One of them came in and walked into like the practice or the practice field, whatever you want to call it, before it was a facility. And he walked in. And he looked at one of the shipping containers. He was like, what's in there? They open it up, and it's just like tickets and pads and this. <laughs> what the? This is what you guys do. Yeah, I and it goes I don't know back to was. show you, like the admins, like you need the admin to like actually invest in programs in order for them to succeed. Sure. And that's why Rutgers needs to figure out this fucking practice facility, this indoor thing, so you can get it done and over with. Is the main thing holding that up? Obviously, money. I assume. It sounds like uh, between the the whole COVID thing kind of threw everything for a loop in terms of donations and stuff. Um, Rutgers obviously, I think, lost money in the long run. I think every school did. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of like, all right, let's just push it back a year. I got to reread Shannon's contract and figure out what the the timeline is for that because now you got it. Now you got two timelines, Pat. You got the timeline for you got to renovate the rack according to Jersey Mike's contract, or do something with it. And then on turn on top of that, you got to build this practice facility. Shiano's gonna fucking rip you a new one or figure out something. <laughs> he'll, he'll he'll take over as AD or something. He's pissed. Like I'm, I'm sure he's not happy about it. I'll tell you that much. Like this was supposed to be at least in a little bit of process. Maybe not shovels in the ground type shit, but like but at least the design that they can the show. Design should be out there and start fielding fundraisers. He'll fundraise that fifty percent like that. I think it's the school's fifty percent that they're not fundraising or not putting up at least. So. Well, that's a shame. It'll happen. Hopefully, we hopefully we get some designs because I know, I mean, if you could show something to a recruit who's coming there, who's just been at Penn State, who's just been at Michigan, who's just been at Ohio State, who's just been at Auburn, and seeing what they have, it's one thing for it not to be there, but it's another for it not to like even be in discussion, which is what it feels like. Until you actually have some plans, it's not really a thing. So Greg's been here for two years, right? This is my thinking. Yeah, two years, literally almost to the day, right? Yeah. So he I'm not to nitpick and compare and all that, but he's been here for two years. Not a single fucking thing was said about this facility since day one when he signed. Now, Franklin has been negotiating a contract for about six months, seven months. Put it in the contract. They're bringing it up already. They're talking about how they're going to improve the lash, improve the stadium, and it's all in his contract. Like, they're going to do this ASAP. Like, the details of how they will do it are in there. Like, figure the fuck out. It's not that hard. Like, and plus you have so many goddamn sponsors between Jersey Mike's, RWJ, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You just throw a slap of fucking sponsor on it. There's hat for money covered. Yeah. And Rutgers has never, I mean, while there are a bunch of hit pieces out in New Jersey about Rutgers finances, I don't think Rutgers has ever been in a better situation financially in terms of their athletic department than they are right now, given like they're in the big 10, they have full, they have a full share of revenue at this point. They're about to get a new TV deal in a couple of years, which is going to, you know, skyrocket our revenue. So, I mean, we're not going to ever make the majority of our revenue through ticket sales. I think we should kind of just like put that aside. Like it's a nice, it's a nice to have, but the majority of our money as an athletic department comes from TV deals. Yeah. Like, which is going to be huge for this next one. And that's why, honestly, at the end of the day, I know fans don't want to hear it. root for Michigan to win it all. Just do it. Root for them. Yep. Put on your fucking little go blue hat and just fucking <laughs> just root for them. Because then they, they just it all trickle downs. Like it all trickle downs through every school. Doesn't matter how much you're getting, you're getting more than what you were gonna get. So just root for them to fucking win. They're not going to. Well, I mean, they might win game one. They're not gonna win at all. But you, you still root for them. It's a tough fucking slog to get through. <clears throat> and now both you got, Georgia and like, uh, oh, yeah, Alabama. That's, 
Yeah, but going back to what you were saying, like the daily record, I don't know if people saw that. They put out a little hit piece the other day. Milker's football average is less than 30,000 fans per game despite wanting a $150 million training complex. And it's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, you have to invest in order to be good. End of story. Athletics accounts for what? 2% of this university's budget? Fucking kidding me? Like, I don't don't know if you remember, but but after 2006, they did like a bunch of reporting about like how much admissions have like gone up since then, like in terms of like applications, like applications like doubled after that year. That means you can get twice as good of a candidate on average coming to the school, which raises our academic profile, which raises everything. It's like a rising tide carries all ships. Everything at the university is better when we have good athletics. And then the funny part is to me is like, I, the more and more I look into, I, someone sent me a bunch of them yesterday. You know how like the Star Ledger does like letters to the editor and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Some dickhead sent the same thing. It's like, we know the season's over. Um, like, isn't it a shame Rutgers spends so much money? And it's like, dude, just shut the fuck up. If they were in a bowl game. You wouldn't say anything. Yeah. It's, I, I don't get like people's thinking like athletics sucks. Mm. All academics. Like, no, that's not how it works anymore. Which one's funding most of your money? It's athletics. Yeah. It costs like 2% of the budget. Like, shut up. <laughs> I think they just like, they have this like nostalgia for the days when, you know, they would fucking play like Lafayette and like a thousand people would attend. And it was like, it, it was a thing to do, but not like the thing to do on campus because it doesn't suit their interests. Like, you know, one of my most like viewed videos on our YouTube page is like, it was funny because uh, I was, I was cracking up in that little public seating section when Chiano's contract was getting like discussed between like all the board of governors. Mm-hmm. And there's just one guy goes up there and just refused to sit down. Oh I recorded them sitting there like, hold on. Like, <laughs> like, keep going, keep going, like, keep it going. And they're like, sir, you have to sit down. Security came and like, was trying to like pull him away. It was hilarious. Oh my God. One of my most favorite videos ever. And one of the most viewed videos ever too. So. That's awesome. Yeah. People are so I did want to circle back to the transfer portal a bit. So they've been they've been primarily focusing on wide receivers and offensive line, which is kind of what we expected. Mm-hmm. A little surprised though, they haven't actually offered any receivers yet. Do you know if there's any reason for that? Because clearly they need at least one. Ideally, they need probably two or three. Like there's been some really good receivers that have come out, and some that have ties to Rutgers. Yeah. Do you know the what more, the deal is with any of that? The more I keep looking into it, um that they're going to offer people and some, not every kid's like a prima donna and going to, I hate to say this, but is going to tweet out these offers. Like they're getting offers probably, but they're not going to be like, Oh, let's do this whole thing again. Where, Oh, thank you so much to coach so-and-so for sending me an offer. I appreciate it. It's like, all right, dude, we get it. Like we get it. You're a D one athlete. Like you're moving up, whatever. But um, yeah, some guys, like if you, I'm looking at the list right now of guys at Rutgers followed so far, Jaden blue, we talked about, I don't know what's going on there. I got to actually reach out to him again. Joshua Moore has been very quiet. Micah Pittman's probably not coming here. Yeah, no, he's definitely not. Tyrese Chambers is going elsewhere. He just took an official to Arizona State last weekend. He uh, Herm Edwards is – they might clean up a little bit. I think Herm Edwards is going to surprise people in the Pac-12 now, now that Oregon's kind of shit in the bed. Um, Tavion Robinson's hearing from everybody right now. Um, he's supposed to visit Penn State soon. Um, the other ones, I'm not so sure of. Seven McGee, I know he's a New York native, but I don't think he was ever that good. I think he's a little on the smaller side, too, if I recall. It's like 5'9", 180-ish. It's a generous 5'9". 
Um, yeah, so I mean, they they definitely need one, but Shamin Jones announced he's coming back. That's a huge one. I do think he could step up as a number one guy. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's all about protecting up front. If you could protect Gavin, then then we could talk about receivers. But until then, I, I don't think it matters who's playing receiver. Is Krukshank going to be 100% sure. healthy? Maybe not. So no Youngblood probably steps up. Sanders, you you'd think would step up. I know they're very, very high on Brandon Sanders, and I do think he'll probably be put on scholarship for his last season. Add that to the 85 total, and you're fucking everything up again. Yeah. Um, I do think you're going to still see a mass exodus in the offensive line, too. Um, there's about, like, eight people, nine people I can see that aren't going to play at all during their records career, so it's kind of like just – did, did the exit meetings for the team happen already? Um, I haven't talked to anyone in the past couple of days, so I don't think so. I think that most of them are still on campus. I think the finals this week, next week, something like that. Okay. I think they're letting them get through that, and then they're going to kind of talk to them afterwards and be like, all right, like, hey, like, let's figure it the fuck out. You're not going to play. Get out. So could their hesitancy to offer people be because they're trying to <clears throat> button up their recruiting class? And then we'll um, go full yeah, board into the transfer portal. They're on the road quite a bit. I know some staffs just aren't a fan of the portal in general. Um, I don't blame them. I think it's kind of annoying. It makes me do more work too, so it kind of sucks. But <laughs> yep, yeah. Um, so I mean, they're just they're they're doing their due diligence. I think you'll see probably one or two transfers visit this weekend again. Um, I'm not sure who. We didn't find out about Ty- Taylor, or Ty- Taylor, Willie Tyler, Miles Frazier, and. Uh, reader until I want to say Thursday last week, Wednesday last week, whenever it yep. was. So it's more of a wait and see, see what happens. I'm sure they'll get someone on campus this weekend. This weekend's supposed to be all commits. So if someone that isn't committed is visiting this weekend, I'd probably keep a very, very close eye on it. It could mean a commitment is imminent, a flip is imminent, uh, a transfer is imminent, whatever you want to call it. So uh, that's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, they're also limited on scholarships. It's not like you can really do much. I know people have been DMing me asking like, oh no, they need two or three receivers. It's like, I don't know if they have room for more than one. Like, Yeah, I think it's all going to depend on how much processing they can do. So it, it, that's the big thing. Um, I think there are seven, no, six scholarships over currently. I forget what it was, the exact number. Um, they're definitely over in the scholarship limit in terms of uh, adding freshmen. And then if you're going to flip someone, then you're just going to add to that number. Um, you got to add an offensive lineman. That's number one. Linebacker, it sounds like they really want an experienced guy. So that's number two. And I think receiver is probably third in priority orders. So it's like go from there and then add three more scholarships to the fact you're already over seven over. If you flip someone eight over, you flip someone else, or you take Igbenos nine over, or maybe a Gould or whatever. And then it's like, all right, now we got to cut back down again. Let's not get too crazy. I'm just saying. Gould? No, I don't think it's so. It's not for me. I, I think he's – and to put it in the nicest way possible, he's not Big Ten good. That is the nicest way I could put it. I feel for the kid. I mean, he had such a crazy people, start to his high school career, and then he got hurt a lot. Yeah, and people are going to bring up the Missouri offer he got. And uh, from what I was told from our Missouri guys, Missouri staff is basically throwing shit out of wall, just seeing whatever sticks. And it's like, oh, hey, you, Tiger. It's like, no, but uh, yeah, they're, they're trying to get people to just come visit and try to get someone on campus. Um, he's, he's a little slower. He doesn't have a position at the next level. The two ACL injuries is the big killer. It's like one, all right, recover, get better hundred percent. Maybe we're good Two, I feel your pain because I'm right there with you. And I've had two, but 
it's it's you'll never get your athleticism back. And are I'm, you tore your ACL twice? That, that hurts me to say. Like it is, it is. Yeah, yeah. I've torn both. I've I've torn my left and my right within like a Damn. two and a half year span too. Don't play basketball. Have fun. <laughs> oh, that's uh, rough, man. Yeah. So I mean, you'll you'll never get like, like I'm just speaking from experience. Like I used to be able to like dunk a tennis ball and touch rim, and now I'm like I can maybe touch like the top of like the net and rim like right here, and it's like oh yeah, I got it. Like. <laughs> Like nowhere near the same. It's just uh, you lose speed, you lose everything. It sucks, but yeah. So I mean, I don't know. It's I I don't see him coming either. We'll see. All right. Well, it's going to be an exciting time after signing day. We're planning to do a signing day episode next week on signing day. We kind of go over all the people in the class. Yeah. Definitely. How things kind of shook out, and then um, kind of. Focus on the, the portal after that point in terms of recruiting. Thinking, um, what, what are we thinking? Are we thinking we're going to get like Alex or Ryan on the pod next week? That'd be cool. Yeah. Get one of them to talk a little, uh, little Rutgers. I know uh, Ryan's been double duty and doing just about everything between covering high school football games, high school wrestling, I think he's doing now. And then uh, obviously he's been to every single fucking Friday night game there was in New Jersey this week or this year. So, yeah, he's, he's busting his ass. Yeah, uh, I give him credit. Shout out to Ryan. Yeah, so we'll do something but, like that. We'll figure that out, but for sure. So now for this next segment, we have the front office's Pat Lawless coming to join us uh, to talk a little bit about the Rutgers Seton Hall banquet this weekend. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, can't wait to talk to Pat about um, Rutgers and Rutgers struggles. Rutgers maybe turnaround. Who knows? He, he sounds like he might be a little optimistic based on talking to him. All right, guys, now we have joining us from the front office, Pat Lawless. Pat, thanks for joining us. This is a big week for uh, New Jersey hoops, and you guys are kind of right at the precipice of that this year. Oh, thank, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, we're, uh, we're excited. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, super, super excited that the game is back this year. Um, yeah, ready to talk Jersey hoops, baby. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. So let's, let's hear a little bit about the front office first off. Uh, you guys – you're a collective of friends who how'd you guys get into this business, this industry? What are you guys trying to build with the front office? Just talk a little bit about your guys' business. For sure. Yeah. So I've been working in basketball since I was around 16 or 17, just doing high school hoops. Um, I've been a, I've been an obviously a Jersey guy and um, have a ton of friends, you know, as, as you guys know, you know, there's plenty of very, very passionate New Jersey basketball fit, uh you know, fans out there. So a couple of my friends, you know, wanted to get involved in, uh, in that scene. So we decided to form, uh, you know, a little podcast, um, you know, get, get a, a Rutgers take on things, get a, a scene hall take on things, um, and just get a New Jersey basketball, uh, take on things. So we, uh, we put that together. Uh, we've been doing it for about a year and a half, two years now interviewing, you know, from both sides outside of even scene hall Rutgers from, you know, Dukes of the world and, you know, Florida or whatever. So yeah, that's kind of honestly how it started, you know, just me bringing my basketball experience and involving these guys and giving, giving them, uh, giving them, uh, you know, some love and um, some, some exposure and creating something, you know, cool as, as to a podcast. And now it's evolved into to running events, which I'm sure we'll get into, but yeah, that's pretty much everything. All right, Pat. So we, we know you're pretty familiar with New Jersey basketball. T talk about this Rutgers season. It's we know it's not pretty. 
It's not. No, it's not. It's not. It's not pretty. Uh, yeah. Listen, like I, I, uh, I have a ton of friends uh, that that graduated from Rutgers that go to Rutgers, and they're down in the dumps right now. Um, but I think, uh, I think we need to, uh, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. Let the let the season develop. I also think, you know, when it comes to Rutgers scene Hall specifically, I don't think anything matters that happens before that game. I'll mm-hmm. say that, right? Like it's a rivalry game. Like they're going to, I, I truly believe that game and, you know, you can, you can clip this and, and use this against <laughs> me down the line, but I truly believe that this game uh, is going to be a down to the wire game. I just don't see Rutgers showing up to the Prudential center, not ready. Um, so I, I, I think, yeah, like the Rutgers fans have reason to be upset for sure. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I will say that I think come Sunday, I think the, the Scarlet Knights will come ready. Now, now, do you think, think that if, oh, my bad, Mike, you want to go? No, no, you go ahead. Right, so you're probably going to ask the same question I got. Now, I know you kind of said like you're going to pump the brakes a little bit in terms of Rutgers, but can can they fix this, you think, still this season? Is it too early, too late, kind of? Two, four and four, it's not good look, some bad losses. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I listen like they're they're playing, and you you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like what their their guard play specifically is just out of character. Mm-hmm. This isn't like something that we've really seen from these guys prior, right? Maybe yeah. in glimpses, but not a consistent basis basis like this. So I think they're just in a real slump right now, and I just don't see and you know, and seeing them in practice and before the season, just last year. This isn't them, right? So I, I do think that I think that they put themselves in a real hole here, um, and they're making it very difficult on themselves. But I do think that there's potential to to move on. Yeah, I do. I do think there's a way to resolve. Uh, but man, they're they're making it difficult on themselves. And who knows, right? Like a a, a win against Scene Hall could really change their momentum uh, and, and and turn things around. Like man, that Clemson win, you thought that that was the I don't know, maybe the win to really change things up. And then the, the next game, it just back to normal. So I don't, I don't know, yeah. but uh, I think, I think this Sunday and we'll obviously see what happens with, with Purdue, but um, <laughs> with this, uh, this Sunday, uh, we'll, we'll tell a lot. I, I really believe that. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like uh, so Pike had a press conference today. That's what Richie was covering prior to this. And I guess it's a flu bug spreading through the team and uh between that and we play number one Purdue, like you kind of alluded to on Thursday night, Seton Hall also has a huge game Thursday night too against number seven, Texas. Uh, they need to get things right in a hurry. And I mean, they got two really tough games. They probably need to win at least one or two to keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive. But I, I agree. I think they're not going to come into the Prudential Center unprepared. Speaking of the Prudential Center, though, did you guys see that? They're not opening the upper decks for that game. But I knew this was coming. Everything I knew, else. I knew. What's up with that? I knew this was going. I got no comment, uh, but no, listen, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I saw that. The, it's crazy how, like, Twitter, like, Rutgers Scene Hall Twitter is blown up over it. Like, there's been some viral tweets back and forth. Like, I can tell you this, both athletic programs, administrations are very aware of what's going on in social media right now. That's There's no doubt about it. It's, it's blown up. It's crazy. It just makes no goddamn sense. Like, you think, I get it. Like, you're not going to want to invite someone into your house that's just going to piss you off 24-7. But you're going to make more money if you're seeing all. They're also advertising, like, tons of other games that they're selling out, like, the upper decks and the full stadium for certain games. And it just – it's not a good look. It really isn't. It shows you're scared to have, like, an even amount of fans at the game, in my opinion. But well, that's the Rutgers Twitter is upset. Very upset. <laughs> <laughs> Rutgers that's Twitter's- an understatement. 
is a passionate fan base. Yeah, it's great. Well, didn't they just open it up? They said they announced they're going to open up for UConn or something. Yeah. And it's like UConn's not traveling that far. Maybe a little bit, but come on. Like, Rutgers, I mean, UConn, UConn's fan base uh, does travel. They do travel, women's. but yeah. Yeah. They do. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's it, it, it's interesting. Yeah, I know. Either way, I guess sell out, you know, I think it would have I think it would have uh, oh. they would have packed the place either way. <laughs> But, but uh, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, the atmosphere is going to be insane either way. So uh, so now we just talked about it. There's two big games. Purdue's going to be at the rack. Texas is going to be at Prudential this Thursday. Is this, like, if both teams lose, does that, like, hurt this momentum going into this game, you think, at all? I know it's still a rivalry, so probably not, but. I, you know what's great? I just don't think so, man. I really, I think, like, it's just one of those games that I, yeah, of course, a win against Purdue and a, a win against Texas helps. Do mm-hmm. I think, and granted, if both teams get absolutely washed and lose by like 30, yeah, okay, like that's different. But I just think that Rutgers scene Hall, like I just, the, the game that immediately I think of, I don't know if it was, what was it, Cor- the year that Corey Sanders led them to a win, what was that, his junior year, sophomore year? sophomore year something sophomore like that year, and yeah. that team was that was a bad Rutgers team right that what, what, what did they finish that year uh under 500 easily they definitely made the tournament yeah and that was a really good scene hall team right that yeah. scene hall team was very very good and I just immediately whenever I think of this rival, I immediately think of that game and just being like wow literally nothing matters because everyone gets up for that like I'm just picturing Pykele warming up the troops getting them ready you know I mean for that game so it's just like yeah. That just keeps replaying my head in that just like nothing matters before that happens that game. Once that ball gets tipped, it's just it's go time. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, uh, wins would help with that. But I, I think fans are pretty aware of Purdue is is the heavy favorite there. And Texas is going to be a tough, tough beat for Seton Hall as well. If both teams win, you think they just say, fuck it, open up the top? <laughs> I don't like, think they're this one. We're right? just gonna keep going back to this. We're just gonna say, we're just gonna keep starting. Imagine I'm gonna keep inviting homeless people to sit at the top deck. Beat number one, <laughs> beat number seven. Fuck it, open it up. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I want to kind of talk to you about your guys' events, though. So you guys hosted uh, the the front office invitational earlier this year. Uh, that was an AAU tour- tournament, I believe, or was that a high school tournament? It was a high school fall event. Yep. So what made you guys want to get into the event hosting space? And what did you guys learn from hosting that event that kind of uh, you were surprised by, I guess? Yeah, yeah. So I've been running uh, I've been running events and been involved in events for quite some time now. I work for a company called Made Hoops, uh, which is knee deep in the grassroots event running space. I uh, worked for Hoop Group for a while. So I have a lot of that background, a lot of that experience to use. Um, I've also been running uh, an event, the Empire Invitational out of New York City um, for about what we're on year six now. I probably should know that myself. It's my event, but uh, <laughs> year six. Um, so, yeah, just using all that experience and just putting it under now the front office umbrella uh, was just pretty organic. So, yeah, like just 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 putting that together and just we really wanted for the fall event. We wanted to have a really, really cool New Jersey fall event to get the best talent in this area to give like a season warm-up and i think we accomplished that i think we really um provided a cool environment um so yeah no like events is an experiential just all that 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 arm of us is a, is a huge uh passion of all of ours and we're excited to kind of bring that experience um to, to the banquet yeah so tell us about some of these guests you got some big names coming between Rutgers, seton hall even cbs is john rothstein coming 
Yeah, man. It's, it's, we're honestly, it's crazy. Like how it's all come together. It was like a small idea that we had that we're like, man, that would be cool. If like, I don't know why this doesn't exist. And then we're just like slowly, but surely we're like, well, like, you know what, let's call, let's call John Rosty and like, let's see if you'd be interested. And John's like, cool. Like, here's my agent's number. And then like, we called his agent. And you know what I mean? It just slowly, yeah, but awesome. surely put the pieces together and like it, it, it we made it happen. Um, it's it just, it's just really cool. And I think it's one of those rivalries where both fan, ba- I mean, we're seeing it on Twitter literally about this upper deck stuff, but like <laughs> it just, both fan bases are so crazy and so passionate that it needs something like this needed to exist. Something like this needed to happen around the game. Um, and yeah, so John's going to speak on it. We're having Jerry Carino there. We're having guys like Phil Sellers. We were just at Phil yeah. Sellers, house. Yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, promoting cool. the event. Like he's juiced up, was decked out of Rutgers gear. Like he's, <laughs> he's so excited. He's like, come on Rutgers. He was, he was cheering, cheering him on. And then yeah, like guys like Isaiah Wyatt's going to be zooming in Terry to here from the scene hall side things Quincy Doobie is back he's going to be at the game um so man like it's we wanted to make sure if we were going to do this we had to do it right get the right guys that that Rutgers fans would get up for which mm-hmm. are the Phil Sellers of the world which are the Quincy Doobies of the world so yeah man we're, we're we're thrilled about it yeah this is one of the cooler events uh as a Rutgers fan I can remember having going on so I hope everyone who can make it out on Friday it's going to be at uh it's gonna be at mama Mama victoria victoria and nutley so that starts at seven right and tickets are still available i think richie you had a a 50 percent off link on the the boards as well we're gonna post that in the episode description as well uh but this event sounds awesome dude great job getting everyone together um i did want to talk to you a little bit about connections aren't necessarily easy to make in this industry and you guys have gone from you know nothing two years ago to like getting hour long interviews with Pike at the, the Rodkin center. You're interviewing basically every top recruit in the area on lives and on your Instagram. Tell us, talk a little bit about how you develop those relationships and how you guys have gone and gotten some great access so quickly. Yeah, man. Just uh, being persistent, following up, uh, following up like lots of follow-ups. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, man, and putting out content and like that people enjoy. So when we're we're talking to Steve, you know, we're we're showing him our past work, right? We're showing him our capabilities, so he knows that we're walking into his office. We're not going to ask some insane question that's you know just completely you know inappropriate to ask or something, right? <laughs> we're showing him our track record. We're showing him um, what we've done in the past. So yeah, it's just honestly, just like step-by-step step, slowly, but surely getting to a place where uh, enough people trust you uh, to, to do an Instagram, um, Instagram live, do a, do an interview in somebody's office, things like that. So yeah, man, it's just been, it's been a process, but uh, slowly, but surely getting there. Yeah. Are you guys looking to be building more of a national brand over the coming years? Or you guys think you'll stick regional? I like the, the one thing is we don't want to be, if we were to go to national, uh, I think that it would kind of dilute the product a little bit. I really want to focus and hone in on, and we really want to do the scene hall, like banquet scene hall Rutgers banquet every single year. We want to blow that up and we want to make it bigger and bigger. Right. So if we were to focus nationally and I think we would lose a little bit of that. So of course we want to tap into different markets. We want to tap into different audiences. Like that's of course, like, always going to be a focus of ours, but we do want to make sure that our base 
and the people that pay attention to our stuff and the people that are attending our events are always going to be um, engaged with us. So yeah, it's, 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 a, we, we definitely look into other things, but we want to make sure our Rutgers and our scene hall base, our New Jersey basketball base um, is always engaged. Um, so that that's right now the focal point for us. So, so now you guys are selling tickets for general admission and you still have VIP available or no? Yep. Still All right, so, so, so what's the difference? Like give uh, the fans, I guess, a little uh, quips of what they, uh, what they get with the VIP package. For sure. Yeah. So VIP, you get front row seating. So you're right there in front of the John Rothstein's of the world. You're uh, you're right, right there in front of, you know, Phil Sellers, you have the best seat in the house. Um, you're right there. And then you also get guaranteed uh, photo after the event, uh, after their panel uh, with the, with the panelists. So awesome. you'll get guaranteed a photo with uh, John Rothstein. You get guaranteed a photo with Phil Sellers, Quincy Doobie. Um, we're also doing a raffle. We're raffling off two front row tickets to the game. Nice. Um, so oh, awesome. and with that access, uh, you'll have uh, more raffle tickets available to you um, that you'll be able to put in. So yeah, no, it's uh, we made sure that the, the VIP members are uh, being treated like VIP members. So um, yeah, that that's that. And then, and then GA, you know, you still obviously get raffle access and you can also buy a photo package if you're still interested in taking photos with the guests. Um, it's just not incorporated within the, the general mission package. And then uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much everything. Yeah. Nice. So now stupid question. You guys will be at the game. I'm assuming, right? Oh yeah. Oh, front, yeah. front row, like right next to those people that are getting those free seats, or no oh, man, that's how that's how dedicated we are. We're letting the we're letting the fans <laughs> have front row. We're we're letting that happen. Yeah, so no, we're, we'll be there, but we're not going to be uh, front row guys. So like, are you guys like in each other's student sections? Like one guy's on this side with Rutgers, one guy's on this <laughs> side with Seton Hall. I don't. Yeah, maybe we, maybe that might be a good might be a good content idea. There you honestly. go. Yeah. Just go throughout the do some Bing Bong type stuff and just go <laughs> back and forth. I know. I know. That's a good idea. Uh, you have a quick thing about Quincy Dubio I wanted to ask you about. Can you imagine how sought after he'd be as an NBA prospect if he was coming out today versus 15 years ago? Like how the games evolved to like his stylings. Like, yeah, like he'd he'd be compared to like Steph Curry if he was coming out today. Not that he's that good, but that would be like the Who is profile. It? Quincy. Quincy Duby. Oh yeah. No, yeah. you're right. I know. Quincy, oh my god. Quincy would pull up from the R. Like you would pull up. Oh my gosh. That's like a, the childhood memories that like I was, when, I, when we first called him to see if he was interested, like it was just like all the memories of like seven year old me or whatever, just fanboying, uh, like watching him on TV, just seeing like him pull up from like literally the logo. Quincy was unbelievable back in the day. Unbelievable. I think he's probably my favorite Rutgers athlete of all time. Really? Of my, my of my lifetime. Yeah. He was Jimmer before Jimmer. That's unbelievable. If he had even one tournament, like little run in the tournament, I feel like people would be talking about him so much more. And it's just well, did Quincy would Quincy left after his junior year? Would he have passed Sellers? Probably, right? Probably, I think so. If not, it would have been very, very close. If not, right? Yeah, Yeah. but he probably would have. I think. Yeah, but of course, I mean, top ten, top ten, top twelve pick, whatever it was, you can't really say no. Yeah. 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 No, hundred percent. And he's going to drop 70 points in China the next year. It's like a great <laughs> overseas career. Had a really, really good overseas career. Yeah, ton yeah. of money. He just retired, like, what, two years ago, three years ago? Yeah, literally, yeah. He's living in Miami now. Um, I think he's yeah. going going back to school. Yeah, Quincy is, like, the nicest guy ever. So now all these guys are going to be at the game, too, I would assume, right? Or I'm sure you've talked to him. 
Yep. So I spoke to Phil yesterday. He's going to be there. Uh, Quincy's gonna, Quincy like lives in Miami. He's flying out for this game. Uh, he was oh, like, awesome. we, it worked out like we, we when we called him, he's like, oh, no, I'm already, I was already planning on coming to the game. I was planning on going to the Seton Hall game. So <laughs> that's something he had marked off in his calendar. Uh, so he'll be there. Phil will be there. Uh, obviously, Austin Johnson's the radio personality. So he'll be there. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's good. There's going to be some uh, some big alumni. Yeah, I mean, yeah. sounds awesome. So for those two panels you guys have, is it going to be, do you guys have like basically a script for what they're going to talk about? Or is it going to be fan questions or a little bit of both? So we'll have some fan questions. Uh, we're going to open up to, uh, to to the fans, hopefully not too much trash talk from, from the fans. <laughs> That's something that uh, we're uh, we're considering. But yeah, no, it's uh, we'll, we'll have fans for like the last 20 minutes of the panel. Uh, and then John Fanta, who works for Fox Sports, does an unbelievable job. Uh, is going to just basically conduct the interviews, make sure he's touching base with each of the members of the panel and just, you know, conduct the flow of, of things. Yeah. I'm not sure many big 10 or big 10 or Rutgers fans know John, but John, John's phenomenal, man. Unbelievable. He legit. He's really, really good. He's yeah, hilarious. He's, and he's, yeah, he's, that's the best part is he makes all kinds of jokes left and right. It's hilarious, but. So funny. Yeah. No, he's great. So yeah, no, he's going to be, he's going to be like to, he, and he has so much experience with Fox and mm-hmm. um, just really, he's a scene hall grad. So he, he gets it right. We didn't want anybody to just come in here and cool. He's a good radio host. Cool. He's good on camera, whatever. We yeah. wanted somebody that was a part of like this experience, part of the rivalry. So yeah. Mm, makes sense. That, that's all I got. You got anything else, Mike? <laughs> uh, no, Pat, is there anything else you wanted to say before we sign off here? Come through the banquet. I hope that, I hope that if, listen, if you guys are interested in coming, let, let me know. It's uh, you know, obviously we would have you, uh, just covering the event, right? It wouldn't be, of course. Uh, we wouldn't charge. So you let me know. But yeah, guys. I mean, you know, I didn't want a free dinner, but whatever. Hey, yeah, <laughs> listen, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I'm just kidding. Open bar too. But oh, uh, never mind. I'm in. Oh, shit. <laughs> Changes things. <laughs> but yeah, I think like I'm excited, you know, first year running running this thing. Um, super excited to, to just see those alumni come back and mm-hmm. engage with the fan bases in like a really, really fun way. Right. Yeah. So this is the first of, of hopefully many and uh, hope to see you guys there and yeah, get that, uh, get that promo code link uh, from, from Rich and, and yeah. Mike. And uh, there you go. Uh, so we got it on our site, obviously you guys have your Instagram account. I think you just started a Twitter account too. Where, where else can they find you guys and figure out, uh, find your content, find out where to buy tickets and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. The, the, the website is the front office.me. That'll include mm-hmm. all the ticket links, all uh, everything that, uh, all information on the event um, that, that, that you might not know about. And then, yeah, for Instagram, it's at T front office for Twitter. It's at T front office. Uh, we, you know, we, we do interviews with Rutgers side of things. We've seen all side of things outside of that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where you can find us. Awesome. And then what is it going to be the, the front office side talk, New York, New Jersey, is that what we're going to do now, or maybe, maybe that, that might be a good next. idea. Hear me out. If we just we put you in one student section, put TJ in another and just boom. I think I think you're onto something. I think that's a really oh, good idea. Right? I know. Oh, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we might hire you by the end of this. Honestly, you keep going. You might you might be part of this. Front office logo right there. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> oh, All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Richie. Thanks to Pat from the front office for coming on. Uh, hope to get, see you guys at that event on Friday. It sounds awesome. I hope they keep doing it every year and I hope it goes really well, Pat. And we will see you guys next time. It's been the Night Report Podcast. We are out. Are you, are you, are you, are you.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.